Kaya, welcome to Ni, Nalakwanging, which is Nunga for listen, us talking. I'm your host, Phil Wallystack. The conversation I'm going to share with you today is probably one of the hardest interviews I've done in my life. It was recorded not long after my nan, Teresa Wally, was rushed to hospital in a critical condition. Our family gathered at her bedside, not expecting her to make it home. She was unwell for a very long time, but she was determined, like she was for most of her life, that her final days would be at home, surrounded with her family. I was lucky enough to be able to spend time with Nana, and we recorded this interview. It's what Nan wanted. She was always proud to share her story to everyone and anyone who would listen. So it's with much love I give you Nana Teresa Wally's story. Here it is. Today we're going to sit down and have a yarn with Wajak Baladong elder Teresa Wally. She's a well-known author, illustrator, cultural woman and activist. She's also my nan. My name is Teresa Wally. I was Winmar before I got married and I was born 6th of the 11th, 1937. Now, are you saying this because you've been saying that a lot lately, eh? Every day in the hospital, I know it by heart. Yeah, and I want to say, you know, I feel... Very lucky to be sitting here with you today and yeah. have, having this yarn because only a couple of weeks ago we nearly lost you. Yes, yes. Mm. And it's, you know, just thankful that you're so strong. <laughs> and, I and don't know how I came back, but I came back. We're so happy you come back. Just open my eyes. Yeah. Where do you yeah. think that come from, your strength? My children, my grandchildren. That was all there for me. When I opened my eyes, I seen all the grannies, great grannies. That's when I came good. And I'm here today to tell my story. Let's start when you're seven years old and you're tucked in the bed late at night. And oh, then something yes. happened that changed your life forever. A terrible thing has changed my life forever. I was asleep and this creature came into my room, grabbed me and he wrapped me in the blanket and took me outside. It was a creature. I didn't know who it was. Could have been anybody, you know, uh, aliens or something. But they put me at the back of a truck and all my brothers and that was there too, well, two of them, was there and mum was going crazy but she jumped on the truck with us and about 8 o'clock that morning we was in Kerala. So that that stranger, that alien that come in, would have really scared you, eh? It really scared me. That alien ended up being the police, yeah. is that right? Even today I don't like the dark. That policeman mm. came into my room and grabbed the kids first. We landed in Carroll up about 8 o'clock. So that's from York to Katanning in Carroll up. But that was a scary place too. Mm. I was always scared to be down there. 
when that fella come in and and old then your mum was screaming, can you still hear her today? Yes, I can still hear her screaming. Mm-hmm. She wasn't going to leave us alone down there. She said, Carol up or Katanning, it wasn't our place to be. She wanted to go back to York or Northern, then on to New Norcia. Mm. So she wanted to keep you from your She wanted to keep me safe to be with all the girls. There I would be safe, she knew that. But then again, she absconded and then she went down to the police, the welfares in Perth, and she got us kids back and there I went to school in York. So it sounds like... It sounds like old Nen, your mum, knew what was happening. Yes, you know, she, she knew. She knew how to go about She knew how to go about things. Mm-hmm. Your time in, in Carolup, do you remember your, your first moments in there, like what was going through your head? It was a whole new place. It was scary, especially at night in the dormitory. When you lay down to go to sleep and you hear someone walking along in the corridor, I was always scared of the dark and worse still, they would shut the door and I couldn't get out. And being a child, I was scared. used to sleep with my head covered over every night, scared they won't see me. And during the day I found a couple of good friends. Little girls used to play with me. So that was nice. But mum absconded with uh, my auntie mm. and they went to Perth. Then she got got me out again. But... Before the police could grab us a second time, she absconded from Perth. She jumped in those box cart. That's the way she'd get around. Jump in the box cart when they empty. And then she went down to 2J. She got off at 2J. Then we went to Kalingari. And from Kalingari... We walked two days into Nunorcia hmm. just to tell you, have me safe. Because your mum knew about Nunorcia. My great-grandfather, Henry Indich, was there when he was a boy. Hmm. My great-aunties was there when they were little girls. So that's where old Nan would have got, how she would have known what was going on. She would have known Because everything. it's happened throughout our whole Through family. her life. Yeah. Yes. Did you know at the time what was going on? No, I didn't. I was just a child. I weren't allowed to talk to old people and I just used to go and do what I was told, mm-hmm. especially with my grandfather. Mm. One day I was walking along with my grandfather we was all right, it was all right to pick up bumpers for him, but there was a thruppence on the side and I wanted to pick it up. He said, leave it there, that's not yours. 
And so I had to leave it even though I could have got a ice cream with it or a couple of ice blocks, what I used to like in the summertime. Yeah. Penny ice blocks, so I would have got three to yeah. last me till I got home. Your time in Eunosia, I know you've you've told it the story many times. Many on, times on camera so. and interviews. Well, I had a hearty there who looked after me from the day I went in there. But I was talking to her and talking to the girls and next minute mum disappeared. She went out slowly and shut the door and I didn't see her again till I was 16. So your mum went into Nunausia Mission with you? Walked from Kalingri into Nunausia. Sign me up there so the welfare won't get me mm. and left me there. And I I came out when I was 16. Did your mum explain to you, you know, when, when she was well, taking she you to the Well, she said there's a good place for girls. And she told you that the family, our family history? It's a good history. place for girls. They are safe. Mm. All she knew that I was safe at noon or here because we was taken care of by the nuns mm. and there was a lot of girls then there that was like me, just a lot of them little ones were sitting around sucking their thumb, but I was able to go and play with my hearty. Mm. And so I thought I was one of the lucky ones. Those big doors at Eunosia, they're really, you know, they're I know really the times you take yeah. The green door. When those slammed, I remember you telling me once, when those doors slammed shut, you never forget that sound. Yeah. By eight o'clock it's shut anyway with the the key, you know. Mm. You locked in the dormitory until Five o'clock in the morning, that's when we got to wake up, get up, wash our face and mm. go to church and go and have breakfast and start work. With the other kids that was in there, did it take long for you all to start getting on and yarning together? And... Well, the little kids mostly used to sit and watch the big ones, the babies, mm. with the thumb in their mouth, you know, mm. probably wondering what's going on. And these was kids from all over the southwest all, or all over WA? All over, WA? all over. Um, some was from down south. Some was mostly was Mother War, you know, mm. Yamaji ones, and there's Nyungas. So. And wasn't there to talk language or culture in there, no? No, we weren't allowed to talk culture. That was the devil's language. Mm. That's what we was told. What were some of the chores you had to do in your The laundry. We did the laundry on Mondays and it all got to be ready by Wednesday and packed away. Thursday we'd go picking olives or whatever, we had a pick or grape picking. There was a certain amount of girls picking olives, 
certain amount of girls in the summertime rotate, you know, and they mm. rotate, go down picking grapes, squashing the grapes, and you see the vats down there, and we were winemaking. Right. All the vats, we had to fill them up before the summer was over. Well, I, was, I didn't know about the wine, but I knew about the olives. And still today, Ninosia is selling olives. Yes, they're uh, selling olives and they're also selling wine. And you, we would have started that, eh, our family? Yes, we, <laughs> yeah, they started that. Because our, our, our history, our family history, it all goes your, back your to Nunosia. Yeah, to Henry Indich. Yes. And he's the, he's the only one buried in the cemetery with a headstone, no? Yes. Only Aboriginal because person Because he headstone. was um, Don Salvatore's right-hand man. He couldn't go anywhere without great-grandfather Henry mm. Indich. Because yeah. Henry Indich knew where to go, knew where to find water. On one occasion I read in Salvatore's diary, they came across a dam that was no water, it was all dry. Well, they said they're going to sit there and die, look like, because they had no way of finding water. But a young man who was hunting that day was going through the law. He came across these two men looking for water. So we showed them where the water was. So that's where the road goes from Perth to Nunausia yeah. today. And if you go from 2J through Clingree and then to Nunausia, you'll very seldom see water, mm. only in the wintertime. So that's how they found water and Salvata gave great-grandfather, Henry Indich, to dig the wells. And what they did at Nunausia was top jobs, you know. Mm. This was the early days this of Nunausia. Er- yeah, early days. Because um, Henry Indich, he come from Matilda Bay. Matilda Bay. And when he was taken, he sent back to get his sister. His two sisters. Mm. Yes, Matilda and... And Susie went. That's how your grandmother would have known to get you out of Carola. Yes. And put you in Eunosia because of her own experience and father and grandfather. Yes. Went through there. Yes. When you when you come out of out of the mission, you're sixteen. Yes. And they just opened the door and said Go. I cannot go back into there. A lot of girls would have loved to went back there to work, but they had enough girls working in the laundry mm. as it was. Mm. So, no, we weren't allowed back. I remember one of the meals you told me that you used to have there. Oh, sheep had broth every morning. Mm. Sheep had broth every morning, just two or three sheep. I don't know if they put any onion or garlic in it, but I know mm. we just had sheep had broth. Now, you got to be tough to live like that. 
In the end, I think we learned to like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember you saying, you know, you, as kids in there, you, that was your, your meals that you had. And I remember you said every now and again they'd put an onion in there just for a bit of flavour. Yeah. Well, the rubbish we used to take to the chook yard, we had chooks there, what they had, you know, apples, uh, orange peels. Well, some of the apples were thrown away because they was a little bit rotten. Mm. We'd get them and wash them at the chook yard and cut that piece off and the other half is good mm. and we'd heat that. Mm. That was our fruit, if we find any of the day. Mm. At 16, how did you find your mum? They came to pick me up. So they told them to come back? At... Yes. Oh, okay. I don't know how they knew, but they were there to get me. Mm. Oh, your mum and your auntie's waiting for you. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what they want me for? Yeah. When I had, we said, we're taking you out of here. But by then I got used to the place, you know. Mm. I enjoyed going picking olives out in the bush. Well, you were there for eight, eight I years. I enjoyed, yeah, picking grapes. Freedom, it was freedom for me. Mm. And Thursdays was a picnic day. That was the best day because summertime we'd... Go where there's water to f- dig all the jilgies out, mm. get enough for tea, we'd have jilgies. When, when your mum picked you up, an auntie, and brought you back down here, and you ended up living on the streets for a while? Oh, a couple of days, yeah. A couple of days? Yeah. Somebody showed me where Uncle Henry and Auntie Liza used to live they had a house in North Fremantle and I stayed there for a while till my auntie took me to Bennett House in East Perth. What was Bennett House? A place where girls used to stay till they'd get a job. Okay. So I was one of the lucky ones to get out of Perth and to go and work on the farm, which I liked. Till I was back with my family. Yeah. Girls walking on the streets at 16, you got cars pulling up, you got men walking by, you know, and it's not a nice thing to do to hear them talk. Mm. I was ashamed of myself and shame. So I went to Bennett House till I got a job. Was a, a nanny. Just to go back, there's something that I've never heard you talk about. Was was those couple, those few days on the street, and you know, them blokes driving past and walking past, and it made you feel shame. The door would open, say, "Get in," and my auntie said, "No, she's not going with you. Shut the door and get going." Right. She was done the talking for me. And lucky she was around. you got these young guys walking along. Do you want me? Mm. Do you want me? I don't know them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> then you came from a large family. So how, how old was you when you first met your sister? 
I was a teenager and I wouldn't talk to any. I was too ashamed. Mm. You're too ashamed to talk to anybody. Because what's the age, age difference between you and me? About 10, 10 years apart. She was taken first before, you know, I knew. And then I was taken before I knew my brother knew me. Cleavy, mm. you know, he was a baby. Mm. Barry was a baby, mm. so we didn't get to know each other until Medina down here when my sister had a home and I had a home and they all came from Nunosia. They came down here and my mum and my auntie went with her family, mm. the Pickett family. After a while, from getting over the shyness, I remember as a kid seeing you two sitting together and Jan and, and just with the biggest smile on your faces, you know. Me and Mum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I used to love to comb her hair. Mm. Don't leave my hair alone, she used to say. <laughs> I'm only combing your hair. <laughs> well, I always remember as a kid when you used to babysit me and Helen, my sister. Oh, look. And you had the longest black, jet black hair going. <laughs> but you you were really an actor because you was the, the leader of the gang. <laughs> remember Ellen and Philip were the kangaroos and you were the hunter? <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about your life here, not mine. <laughs> So from me, from meeting your sister, you met your husband? Yes. What happened that day? Do you remember that day? Well, I remember it so well because Mum took me down there to see my sister and her daughter and we stayed down there at the bend for a while and me and her was fishing and I never knew how to fish. I didn't know how to put a... Worm on the hook. I kept getting stick with the hook, mm. and I couldn't get the fish off the hook. So this young fella here was alongside of me, and he started helping me. And I'm thinking he's nice. <laughs> well, he started helping me first time. I've <laughs> known someone to be nice to me. Yeah, in my life. So. He used to be there every day helping me fish. Then we got together. And when I said I was going to go back to work, he said, no, stop with me. And I think, and he win yarn. <laughs> so I stayed with him just because I wanted to be with my family, you know. I always want my family to stick together, they get. I keep saying, when you get married, you stay married. You've got to think of your kids. Your first thoughts is your children. Yeah. You live for your children. Yeah, that's what the old girl used to tell me. You live for your children. Don't worry about anything else. Mm. Just look after your children. She knew everything and everyone. <laughs> she was living rough. But she always had a coat, even summertime. Keep me warm at night, she reckoned. 
that coat will keep her warm at night. In the park, under the bridge, under the tree, you know, wattle tree. Well, she had her sister with her, and her sister used to make a nice bed for them to lay down and sleep on the ground or where it's dry. And at Guildford Park, in the morning you could get up and go and have a wash, you know, and to the toilet. Even though there were Christian people around, but like they were afraid to take her in or help her or don't want to. Oh, they knew she was blind, but she had her sister there, Annie Mag, who never left her side, you know, until she found us. I wish I had somewhere for her to stop with me. And I was thinking, I've got to get married somehow. I've got to get married somehow. Somehow, you know, not thinking how. But like I say, I had a husband who used to help me fish and we got together and we, first we started living in a camp. But when we started living in a house in Medina and my sister got a house in Medina, that's when mum came to stop with us. She had a room, you know, and a bed. She had a room at my place, a bed at my place. Lay down and sleep with the girls. Because with the fire, it used to be a fire then, fireplace in the lounge. She'd have a mattress on the floor and she'd lay down where the fire is. And we'd put some banshee, banshee wood burns all night. As long as the logs are safe in the fireplace, we'd leave it then, leave her laying there. So she'd be nice and warm. How do you sleep tonight? Oh, she said, nice and warm. She still liked to sleep on the ground, even though she had a mattress this time, to keep her, you know, soft. Well, we couldn't do enough for her, but sometimes she used to get drunk and leave me alone, leave me alone. Uh, must be dreams from a long time ago. Leave me alone, leave me alone. In the later years, um, she died at my sister's place. She passed away at my sister's place. She was in her 80s, so she lived to be an old lady even though she was blind and she used to knew everybody and she knew where everybody come from. Yeah. She always said, I got my family, I got my boys, I got my daughters, and she's the name us all. I got my Violet, I got my Teresa, I got my Johnny, I got my Peter, you know, sons. She had them all. Oh, the boys, they just looked at mum. I'm sure there were tears in their eyes. 
to see men wipe tears from their eyes, you know. I didn't think men would cry, but they do. That's their mum. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a quote from you, Nan, and you've said, I'm proud of my family. They turn out to be wonderful people. They are. I can honestly say that from the bottom of my heart. Why do you think that, though? Why do you think well, they turned looking out at so? Them, why do you think your oldest grandson turned out perfect? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go there. <laughs> no, we have. We've got a very close family, our, our family. Yeah. I think with all, with all your sons and your daughters, you know, everyone is so close and comes together all the time, you know. And, yes. Yeah. And that comes from you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And I think it's that, that communication and the culture. Well, being raised as a Christian, I couldn't be anything else anymore. But I know my culture through my mum and dad. Mm. So, you know, Gebunganin or Nijabal Gebunganin, they all drinking over there. Mm. Oh, don't go down there, they're Gebunganin. Things like that. And she talked in Yunga language. Mm. That was at the younger age before you got taken away? Yes. I always heard them words from mum. So they kept, kept you away from a lot of the alcohol. Yes, yeah. Because I've never known you to drink alcohol. No, but at the halter we had a little glass, <laughs> little glass full mm-hmm. or a mouthful each. <laughs> and I think that's all I'm ever going to touch, you know. Yeah. So after... Because I know how silly people could get. Yeah. Well, your grandsons did a little bit of it. Yeah. <laughs> There's one in every family. <laughs> I could name them. <laughs> so after raising your kids up, bringing them up and, and bringing them up as, as a tight family that we are, you went on to TAFE. Yes. And then TAFE started a new career for you as an author. Yes, yes. Tell us about that. Oh, look, I just... Wanted to go to TAFE until I was old enough to get my pension, you know, because I think and I don't know anything else. Mm. Then we started writing and I think and I know a lot of stories. So I started writing a book for my grannies. I think that's just going to be special just for my grannies. I never thought it was going to go in Western Australia Every library wanted one. Every school wanted one, which is all all over. Mm. And now I've got the bird book with the Aboriginal names. Everybody else wanted it. And I'm thinking, no, no more books for me, no more books for me. Every time I write a book, everyone else wants it. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you, it's interesting because you, your time in in Unorcia, did they teach you how to read and write? No, we had to work. So it wasn't until you went to TAFE yes. later in the year. How old was you then? Must be 50 or 60. And that's when you... Waiting for my pension. And that's when you started to learn to read and write. Learn to read and write. 
maybe I've been younger because we went all over the place as a tour guide, yeah. learning how to do tours. Mm. We went down south. We went Esperance. We went to Kalgoorlie. We went to Warburton and to Sandstone and back to Megathara. And so as a tour guide and Bush Tucker also, you know? Yes. That took yes. you right across WA? Yes. Mm-hmm. That took me all around WA. You've had an amazing life, Nan, and it's one of the most documented lives, I reckon, in, in WA history, your, your story. Yes. You know, I always see you on videos and a lot of recordings and your books, you know, and, and yes. these are things that are going to be lasting forever. And a lot of people know you as being, you know, generous and gracious. Why do you think they, they think that? Well, I think, and you know, you don't get angry for something they did to you. You just have to accept it, forgive, mm. forgive, accept it, and just care for everybody that's around you. Is that one of your motivations that got you to want to be involved with the Elders Working Group of the City of Perth? Yes. And what are you what are you most proud of? I enjoy sitting and talking to them as well, but I enjoy now taking all my grannies, great grannies, to the zoo or to Adventure World and just watch them, you know, mm. having having fun. You've seen a lot of changes in Perth. Yeah, I have. And laws changing and things like that. What do you? What's one of the proudest things that you've been a part of that's been on in Perth? To walk into a shop and buy what I want to buy, mm. not be ashamed to go into a shop. You know, I used to be ashamed to go into a shop. I would rather starve than go and get a pie mm. or a pasty. See, that's interesting because... A lot of people that we talk to, I say, what's one of the proudest things in, you know, Noongar culture that's happening here now? And people say this event and that event or that we've got yes. artwork around. But what a lot of people don't realise is our elders are still with us today and we just appreciate going into a shop. And they won't serve us when we do go into a shop, you know. Mm. It was hard to be served. And that's what a lot of mob got to understand and realise, isn't it, is that yes. where you're coming from, what you followers went through, is still here. Yes. What would your legacy be then? Today, my family. Yeah. Where would I be without a family? Mm. And we're very lucky to have you as, yeah. where would I be as the head a of our family, family you know? Yes. Mm. Yeah. How would you like to be remembered? A good mother. Mm. A good grandmother. A good great-grandmother maybe come along, you know, which I have a lot of. (laughs) Yeah, family. Mm. My legacy is my family. They have given me what I never had, a family. Um, they've given me something I've always wanted. Mm. But they said, if you want a family, you've got to have a man. 
Well, I found one fishing. <laughs> <laughs> he had the right bait, huh? <laughs> A good one. <laughs> one of my aunties said, we come from the Mission Holy City to the Sin City, Medina. <laughs> Everyone wanted to be in the pub. <laughs> But this is being recorded and it's going to be around for as long as we can listen to it, you know? Yes. So your great-great-grandchildren, great-great-great-grandchildren, you know, in a hundred years' time... Yes. ..they're going to be listening to this. What do you want to say to that generation? Yeah. Just keep loving each other. Keep that circle. And love everybody else around you because... You need to walk together, learn together. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, when you got nobody and nothing, a family is your lifeline. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to go and have a good cry. No, no. I'm smiling. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm happy now. Mm. Look at the family I've got. Yep. Can't complain about me, eh? No, no way. Sadly, not long after we did this recording, my beautiful Nana passed away. I wrote this song for her. This is dedicated to her memory. Our world is changing. Time waits for no one. Like a picture in a frame that can fade away. We've got our moments That can last a lifetime In the memories that we make They're here to stay Cause those little moments They can make big memories So keep those little moments close to Cause you can't take those little things for granted It's the little things in life that keep us free Like a lonely leaf hanging on a tree in autumn You don't know what you've got
I'm Phil Wally Stack, and you've been listening to Ni Nalakwangi, a series of conversations with Aboriginal elders living in Boroloo, Perth. This podcast was produced by Community Arts Network in partnership with the City of Perth and the ABC. You can hear more stories like this by visiting can.org.au or through your favourite podcast service. Until then, I'm Phil Wally Stack. Bordawarn. Bordawarn.